What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is episode 51. B Pimp, what's up with you? I'm ready to talk booze. Yeah, we are talking booze. This episode, really good episode, because we are going to be talking about our top five. And that's right, we are going back to top five. I know we did top ten last episode, but that is a one-time thing. We're going to the top five um, favorite cocktails and mixed drinks. So, it is surprising we haven't covered this yet. Yeah, I felt really silly when I realized we hadn't, considering our name. I know, like... The one thing that we covered that it's like sort of similar, but definitely not the same thing, is we we did cover like top five mixers at one point. But this is like we're talking about the full drink, the whole enchilada here, the whole kit caboodle. Yeah, and it's at the same time was not like a super difficult list to put together for me either. It's like a couple of honorable mentions, but really it was a fairly clear number five. Or uh, top five, I should say. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, cool. But before we get to that, because this episode is about our favorite cocktails and mixed drinks, I wanted to share with the listeners a drink I am secretly hoping becomes the next big mixed drink. And it's called the Marquette Park. It's based on the neighborhood in Chicago, uh, where my mom's family was raised so they came from Lithuania originally. My mom was born in Germany, so was her sister. Then they moved to the U.S. through New Orleans, but ended up in Chicago. And so she spent her childhood in Marquette Park, which is a very Lithuanian neighborhood in Chicago at the time. So the reason this drink is called the Marquette Park is because whenever I would go down to Marquette Park to visit my grandparents there, this drink kind of reminded me a little bit of it. Not that I drank as a child, but it had some of the same elements of it. Um, in this cocktail uh, that we served at our wedding four years ago was, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, B-Pimp, it was a bit of a hit, was it not? Oh, yeah, definitely. I heard many a compliment about the drink selections. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I don't want to be recommending a cocktail that sucks, and I don't think this one sucks but I don't know for sure. But so if you are making the Market Park at home, here's what goes into it. Lithuanian original vodka, which you actually should be able to find, especially in Chicago, and it's not that expensive. That's literally all it's called is Lithuanian original vodka. And you can get a fifth for, I think like $12. So not a bad price. Tonic water, 50-50, which, if you don't know what that is, is a pop that tastes a bit like squirt, I would say. Kind of a combo between, like, 7-Up and squirt. Uh, blueberries. And I think, actually, if the blueberries are frozen, that's even better. The ice element will work in your drink. And as the blueberries start to melt, they'll actually dye your drink a little bit purple. And a slice of lime. So those are your five elements. Uh, Lithuanian vodka. And if you can't find it... Probably any vodka will do. Tonic water, 50-50. The reason it's got 50-50 in it is because that's all my grandparents ever had in their fridge. So I drank a ton of that. Blueberries, because they had a blueberry bush uh, out back. And a slice of lime. Because, for no reason on that one. But it's a good mix. That drink is really, really delicious. The blueberries especially make it pleasant. It's very, very good. Highly recommend 
Yeah, so go ahead and make yourself a Marquette Park, uh, and we'll get to our top five as well. But B-Pimp, did you hear the good news? I'm Which good news are you referring to? The good news I'm referring to is that Maggie and I got a Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love it because we had a Wii U before, but the Wii U didn't like not have any basketball games. Or if it did, it hadn't had one in like four years. But I've been playing nonstop, and Maggie can attest to this, NBA 2K19, and it's great. How is your team, how is your career doing being the point guard for the New Orleans Pelicans? Really good. Uh, okay, so right now, as of recording this, my team, I think is, uh, I think we're like 11 and 7, and doing better lately, uh, but kind of a slow start. The starting lineup, it's basically the New Orleans Pelicans lineup, except here's what's changed. Drew Holiday is now the shooting guard, because Andy Metz had to be the point guard. Uh, and then we got Nico Miritich is playing the three, Julius Randle's playing the four, and then Anthony Davis is playing the five. So it's it's an interesting lineup because it's you have Jer- Drew Holiday playing the two, and he's a little, probably a little undersized for a two, and then Nico playing the three, and he's oversized for a three. So you've got nobody on the team between the heights of like six four and six nine. It's like the opposite of the Golden State Warriors. It's some offensive firepower in that starting lineup, too. We're looking good. And I got to say, Ametz, the 33-year-old rookie, is tearing it up. Uh, Not only is he averaging 34 points a game, but 13 assists to go with that. That is... Those are some gaudy numbers. They really are. No, and he's looking strong. Um, But, yeah, uh, we're doing well. I've heard... uh, good things about your 2k team as well what system are you playing that on i got, i actually got nba live 19 for the xbox one. Oh, it's live interesting yeah. i'm a i there's a 2k thing on the xbox i don't know if it's the same on the switch where like in order to do anything you have to it's like microtransactions up the wazoo so yes. in my in my rebelliousness, I decided to get NBA Live again because I enjoyed it last year. It's un- it's undoubtedly not as good of a game, but it's fun. And it's they did a lot of cool stuff this year that like, made it a little bit improved. But I'm the starting small forward for your Chicago Bulls. Nice. Uh, did you make yourself and, your normal height or are you a little bit taller, especially if you're going to be playing small forward? I'm, I'm six foot ten. Okay. <laughs> and in real life, you are six, nine and a half. Exactly. I yeah, added okay. a half inch because I've always wanted to be 6'10". Well, and they don't let you do the half inch. No, I know. Yeah. It's stupid. Really stupid. Um, but I'm, I was drafted by the Bucks, and then NBA Live has a feature where you could force a trade to any team as soon as the draft's over. <laughs> Good. So I was like, I want to go to the Bulls, and I was traded straight up for Jabari Parker. Whoa, good trade. So he went back to the Bucks, and I became the... Starting three for the lowly Chicago Bulls. Um, I will say I'm doing well, and Wendell Carter Jr. is a beast in that game. So it's fun. It's it's fun to play. Uh, my stats aren't great, but and the team is not doing great because the Bulls are awful. So tough. you'll turn it around. It's still fun. Yeah, but also, no jokes. Like if you actually yourself now were traded straight up for Jabari Parker. That would not be a bad thing for the Bulls. I think that would be... 
net positive. An amazing thing that they should be exploring. I'm almost certain you play at least as good help defense as Jabari Parker, if not better. <laughs> He's got me beat in conditioning and uh, height and NBA offensive skills, but I probably could hold my own with him in defense. I think you definitely could. I've, <laughs> I've never seen, like, it didn't even occur to me because you watch teams play defense, and you kind of you can judge how good a one-on-one defender is, like pretty easily. Like it's just, but when you see somebody who is so bad at team defense, I've never seen anybody worse than Jabari Parker, and I have not watched a lot of Bulls uh, or Bucks when he was on the Bucks. But he is, I think, the worst, like the almost like outright. I've never seen somebody try more aggressively to be that bad at help defense. <laughs> it's 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 a thing to behold. Yeah, it's like it's like he almost takes personal offense to the idea that he should try to cover somebody else. It, that actually is what it seems like. It does. But yeah, more power to the Bulls. The, Bull, the Bulls in real life are still not playing him. Is that correct? Correct. He Good. is um, on, firmly on the trading block. They just traded Justin Holiday to the Grizzlies. Uh for a couple of young guys and a couple second round picks. And I believe they're aggressively shopping Jabari and Robin Lopez currently. Uh, you know, it's like somebody else has brought this up too, but it is crazy between Andrew Wiggins taking like multiple steps backwards in his career and Jabari just being like now to the point where he's unplayable. I thought the top two in that draft were going to be great NBA players. What happened? Yeah, I mean, the funny, the, well, the funny, not funny, the crazy part is Jabari's still 23. Like, when you think about that, how young he is, and he's had two ACL tears. Yeah, which I mean, that sucks. Are really, really is just bad luck. But I will say, like, he still has the ability on offense to create a little bit and get his own shot. He just, he does some of the weird, Zach Lowe wrote an article about it, and he's... His movement is is strange among NBA players, like on offense when he has the ball. He almost is like, it's like he's trying to kind of be herky-jerky and weird. And he's, mm-hmm. and Zach Lowe wrote about it and was like, used all these examples to show that he throws off their rhythm. Yeah. Because he, like, he doesn't just like dribble and, and do normal moves that you see NBA players do. He's kind of like always going a, a different direction, like diagonally and stuff. It's just, it's, it's he's a strange player. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope he does turn it around. I don't like seeing players, like, fail at a young age. Yeah, I could see him catching on at some point with, like, a team that just needs, like, a sixth or seventh man who can just come in and score a little bit, and they don't need him to do anything else, and he could probably find a niche like that somewhere and be okay, but... Because he could shoot a little bit, and he could do things that are useful. It's just, like... You cannot rely on him to start or guard anyone. Yeah. Maybe if Derrick Rose gets injured, they can bring him in from Minnesota. Yeah, the, the Bulls of Minnesota, yes. Yes. All right. Um, our sponsors are saying we need to stop at the basketball stop if we uh, want to keep these listeners. But I could go on all day, I think. I was going to get into the uh, nuances of Ryan Archidiakono's game <laughs> in, a, in a moment. Um. Yeah, okay, I think we better stop. We gotta drink some whiskey. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, before we get into our top five, which, of course, is top five cocktails and or mixed drinks, 
Uh, we've got a whiskey to drink here, and the one I have for this episode, let me, I want to get, see, I've had a glass of ice here that's melted, and I want to get the melty part out so I get, like, a clean sip of this whiskey. All right, it's dry ice now. So the whiskey I have, it's called Old Forester. Uh, have you heard of this before? No, but does it have a picture of, like, an old man clearing a forest on it? I wish it did. It doesn't have a picture at all. Uh, so it's Old Forester. It was established in 1870. It is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. 86 proof. Uh, and let's see where in Kentucky it is made. Oh, the founder is George Garvin Brown. Almost sounds like George Gervin, but I guess we got to get away from basketball talk. You're going to finger roll that whiskey into the glass. Yeah. Uh, it's distilled and bottled by Old Forester Distilling Company at Louisville, Kentucky. I almost thought it said Louisville, Indiana, Kentucky. But it just says Louisville in Kentucky for some reason. <laughs> well, it's got the pedigree now. Will it stand up to the test? Yeah. I'll, okay, the price point is the kind of price point where it could go either way. Kind of low, not dangerously low. Um, so we shall see. I've got it on the rocks. And Taste at whiskey. Cheers to Archie Diacono. How is that old forester? So it's got actually a little bit of a burn to it. It's kind of hanging in the back of my throat right now. And the aftertaste is a little bit tinny. Uh, it doesn't have much of a body to it. No, not hitting any really strong notes of anything. I, it, it feels like it's kind of, it's supposed to be just like sort of innocuously smooth. Although I, I wouldn't even say it's totally doing that right. So I hate to say it. But for the first whiskey I'm trying myself of 2019, I am giving Old Forester Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, who doesn't spell it with an E, by the way. They spell it just Whiskey KY, which I don't like. I'm giving it the boot. Get back in the forest. Get back in the forest. You come back with a stronger whiskey and an E in the word whiskey, and we can talk. I'm shocked by with all the glowing reviews you were giving it that you gave it to boot. <laughs> right? It's like I tried it a little bit and immediately said, uh, I'm just going to kind of give this like a thousand little stabs before I announce that it's getting the boot. <laughs> it, was, it was a good uh, review to let the people know if you see old forester leave it in the forest yeah i didn't take a left turn in the middle of the review it was very clear the direction like i was winding my boot up obviously and you gave it the big heave ho big heave ho uh i'm gonna mix it with something that i'm actually realizing i kind of like it's not gonna go into my top five list yet because it's too new but i'm mixing it with snapple peach tea that's a pretty good idea it's like pretty good I don't know. I, okay, it's going in my honorable mentions already, but before, I don't even want to ruin it yet. We we got to open the top five theme song and officially get into it. So we're talking about top five cocktails and mixed drinks. Um, so B-Pimp, are you ready? I was born ready to talk cocktails. That, that That's what I like to hear. All right, let's get into it then. These are your top five mixed drinks and cocktails. More than four, less than six, it's the top five. All right, my number five cocktail is 
A Pisco Sour. Now, B-Pimp, have you had this before? I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different, although I think you can find them at some bars maybe in Chicago. Uh, but it's a really big thing, especially in South America. Um, and I think a, a few countries will do it. I first had it when I visited Ch- uh, Maggie in Chile in 2008. Uh, and I've got them in Argentina too, and probably Brazil, although I don't remember specifically. But Pisco is a specific type of alcohol. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's clear. Um, so it's like, I would say it's not as harsh as vodka, but it's kind of in that realm. And then the sour aspects, you'll have like a, like a frothed up egg white. And then I kind of forget the rest of what is in it. Like some, some bitters and then like something, I'm sure there's like lime juice in there. Uh, and then I forget what the base of what it's mixed in, but it's a whole like frothy mix together. It's a very popular drink down there, and I enjoy it as well. And it's been a while since I had one, but I had to put it on my list. If I ever see... Well, I can't have it because it's got egg in it, but it sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, it does have egg in it. I wonder... I don't know how you would even substitute that. Like, how would you... Do you can do you know a vegan way that you could substitute, like, egg white froth? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's a way to do it. Could you substitute it with like, uh, like a steak froth, or is that also not vegan? That also wouldn't work. No. Oh, and I, although I would be interested to see what a steak froth looks like, <laughs> it looked horrible. All right, what's your number five? The old tequila sunrise. Ooh, nice. I become more of a fan of tequila as I've as I've aged. Um, it has no sugar in it, so it's very hangover resistant which is a positive um so you could do like a nice tequila and soda if you're trying to watch the calories it's a good um good option but i like the tequila sunrise with lots of sugar in the orange juice so it removes all the hangover preventing effects but it's delicious nonetheless and i mix it with a little grenadine you make a classic tequila sunrise it's a delicious drink that seems good although for some reason like when I think of tequila, I don't think of hangover cure. Well, I think if you do like eight shots of it, it's not going to matter. But <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you have, I know it's like, it's uh, of all the main, like common liquors, it's the least sugary. That's, I did not realize that. Like I've always like associated tequila with being like the most dangerous for me personally. But I think it it, it doesn't have to do with the fact that like tequila is like, that bad of a hard alcohol it's just that not enough people do tequila sunrises instead they'll do just tequila shots yeah exactly and that was why when we like put together our drink list for our wedding a bunch of years ago like we ordered all of our drinks through binnies which if you don't know what binnies is it's like uh a big liquor store in the chicagoland area but they put together like a, a sample list of what we would want at our wedding and I didn't notice initially, but I called them back later saying that, hey, uh, you know, you got gin, vodka, whiskey, rum, all the major ones here. No tequila, though. And they just responded with, yeah, you don't want tequila at your wedding. People are just going to do shots, and that's going to be terrible. Like, oh, <laughs> that's an interesting point. I guess I don't want tequila at my wedding. So we didn't have it. 
But, you know, if we did have tequila at our wedding, instead all we had were tequila sunrises, I don't think that'd be so bad. No, who doesn't like that? It's delicious. Yeah. All right, good number five. My number four is a Moscow Mule. So I like the mix with uh, ginger beer, ginger ale. Like, that, that always works. And the cup is, like, such a a part of that drink. I think if you go to a bar and you order a Moscow Mule and it doesn't come, it, if it comes in a glass, you know something's wrong with that place. It's like a good barometer for how good a bar is. Yeah, and it's also a delicious drink that was in my honorable mentions. That's an excellent choice. Oh, well, that's good to hear. I hope we get a double dip on this one. We haven't yet, but maybe we will. For our listeners at home who don't know what a double dip is, that is when B-Pimp and I have two of our top five in a row that are the same. Um, and it hasn't happened in a bunch of episodes. It didn't happen in the last one, and it didn't happen in several before that. So hopefully we get that double dip. All right, what is your number four? Number four, the my favorite drink to order at a wedding, the 7 and 7. Ooh, a Seagram's and 7-Up? What is it? It's technically, uh, yeah, it's Seagram 7 whiskey and 7-Up. Um, you can use, like, any clear soda, really, in, in it, but the original one is the 7 and 7. That's the with 7-Up, yeah. But it's just delicious. Whiskey and 7-Up, and, and man, it's great. It works. And, well, and, like, Seagram's, it's like a light whiskey. And I, I feel like it works particularly well for that. Yeah, definitely. It's not overpowering. It's just mixes well. Mm-hmm. If you get like a really strong whiskey, maybe that's not the kind of mixer you want, but like it totally works for that. Uh, good old standby. It is definitely good old standby. Um, all right. My number three is whiskey and Dr. Pepper. So pretty simple mixer here. Uh, it just really works. And I don't even drink a lot of Dr. Pepper. I drink almost no Dr. Pepper normally. Um, but there is something about the way, like, the kind of syrupiness of a Dr. Pepper mixes with, like, just, like, a decent whiskey that is such a good drink. Does it work better with a certain type of whiskey in your experience? Well, I would say, like every drink, it's probably bad with Southern Comfort. Because Southern Comfort itself is really s- sweet and gross. So I just I, got sick a little bit. Yeah, I got a little bit sick too. I wish I didn't even say that. I think, uh, even though this is boot whiskey, this Old Forester, like this sort of like kind of not syrupy at all whiskey, like no body to it, works pretty well. Just like kind of gives that drink a little bite instead. That's what I would go with. Something like that. Maybe just, if you don't want to do Old Forester, just something like, oh, like what's, just like a Jim Beam or something. Yeah. So what you're saying is if one of our listeners has a case of boot whiskey that they're having a hard time getting rid of, they can get some Dr. Pepper and go through it. Oh, yeah. I I would say Dr. Pepper will turn that boot whiskey into, uh, well, passable whiskey. Like, it's not going to be on the smooth train, but it's going to be on, like, a pretty good night train. <laughs> I've been trying to get on that train for a while. Yeah. Uh, tell me about it. All right. You're number three. 
the White Russian. Ooh, another good pick. I got. I think your your choices are better than mine. I don't. Th- I think all of these cocktails are delicious, but the White Russian is a favorite of mine. And ever since I've been one of those vegan people, I had to figure out a way to make it without uh, half and half. Mm-hmm. So I have. I found a way to just kind of use coconut milk. Um, Kahlua and the vodka part are fine. There's no like like milk or egg or anything in it. Um, so I, I've been able to have them still, and it's a pretty good approximation. Like it's not the, quite the same, but it's, it's pretty good. Nice. All right. I haven't had a white Russian in a really long time. Uh, and it did, I didn't even think about it for this list. So that means it's been way too long. I've always been a fan of it as a nice, uh, change of pace every once in a while. Yeah. I, I, I think it would fit that. So do you notice like, what is the difference with the coconut milk? It's just not as, it doesn't mix as well. So like the, with the half and half, the benefit of it is it just turns it into kind of a really smooth um, consistency. But with the coconut milk, it's like the sweetness is a little bit different and the, and just the mix is a little bit different. So I also added, I started adding a little bit of espresso um, when I make them now. So that adds a little kick to it and it just kind of uh it kind of helps with it but it's it's just it's hard to describe like it's still good it's still a solid drink but it's just not the same smoothness as when you're using like the actual cream well and if you're putting the espresso in it it's like something you can drink on the way to work then yeah exactly just yeah my (laughs) thermos full of white russian every morning yeah now to make it vegan if you didn't want to go with the coconut milk could you use like a nice steak froth yeah, absolutely. You can okay. get your steak froth from your drink. The pe- was it a pisco sour? Pisco sour, yeah. The leftover steak. Yeah. Froth. The leftover steak froth. Just throw it in there, yeah. and it's a nice morning uh, hearty drink. <laughs> a really hearty drink. All right, good pick. My number two is the very basic, but uh, still a favorite of mine, and actually becoming more a favorite of mine. Gin and tonic. So- it's a classic cocktail. It's on my honorable mentions. I don't like them, but. It's, you know, it's funny though. Like I don't love gin usually. Uh, and I don't know that's, that's changed that much over time. I think I've, I've liked it better. Like it used to be my least favorite, um, hard liquor. And now it's probably third after whiskey and then vodka. Um, out of like the major ones at least. But I've really gained an appreciation for tonic water. I just like... I suddenly, like, really love tonic water. I was drinking a lot on our trip, and it's, I think my taste buds have, like, kind of stopped liking things that are really sweet, so I almost drink it as, like, a pop replacement just in general, uh, but with gin, I mean, that's that's a good drink. You get me a little slice of lime in there, that's all you need. Can't argue with it. I would say I don't, it, vodka tonic is fine, too. I, I would... I didn't want to include both on the list, obviously. But I like that it's on your honorable mentions without you liking it. Yeah, I feel that it has. It, it's such a quintessential drink that so many people order that I feel like on a list like this, I had to give it a spot, even though I can't rank it because I don't drink them myself. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Um, but let's go to a drink that you probably actually do drink. What's your number two? Screwdriver. Ooh. So I think I'm learning that you do like orange. 
I love orange. Yeah. I think a screwdriver is so good because it's so versatile. You know, you got like, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you go out on a Sunday, maybe earlier in the day for whatever reason, like Sunday fun day. Mm-hmm. And you can get that drink because it's kind of like an early in the day. You want some orange juice anyway. So here, just throw some vodka in there. Um, and it always tastes good. You can drink it any time of the year, any time of the day. You know, you can have that in the morning on the way to work rather than the <laughs> steak white Russian. Well, um, you need something for the second cup holder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, it's good. And, and it works with, like, vodka is good, too, because I, I'm sure there's, I mean, I know that there's really terrible, like, bottom shelf, awful tasting vodkas. But any of the, like, mid-price range, like Svedka and any of those, like, they're all pretty fine, like, fine for mixing. So yeah, you can are. easily get, like, a cheap bottle and... Um, like it's a good solid standby for, you know, if you have people over or whatever, you can always have it available. No, I agree. I like, I draw the line at like skull, but apart from that, most cheap vodkas are like fine with that. Yeah, they're good. They're easy to mix. Yeah. All right. Good pick for your number two. My number one is a classic an old fashioned. That's an excellent choice for our whiskey podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, just if. It, it is not okay for any time of day, but, <laughs> or I'm going to have a hell of a day, but like, yeah, if I go to a bar and maybe they'll have a bunch of different cocktails, but I, I'm, I'm not in the mood or something like that, but it's just, it is my default and I know that I'm going to enjoy it and, you know, it might be strong, but it's just a good sipping cocktail and I like them. They are good. I left my I left that off of my list completely and my honorable mentions because I've tried to make them before and it's there's a lot involved. And I don't have the right I think it's like a muddler or something that you're supposed to use mm-hmm. to get the sugar. I don't know. There's some step in there. Where like I don't have the right equipment available to me to make it. So I'm like, nah, I'm not making that. Yeah, I have not tried to make it myself. And learning about the difficulties you've had in doing so, maybe I never will. But I do I feel mean, like... I mean, I'm kind of an idiot, so I, it's probably much easier than I'm... <laughs> no, I, like, I'm sure that, like, I am no expert at making drinks at all. And if there is any complication to it at all, I will fail at making it. You just end up sitting there staring at, like, all the ingredients. <laughs> no, I, I could literally make a gin and tonic and then drink half of it and be like, did I forget to put gin in here? <laughs> this takes pretty weak. I've had seven and I'm still fine. Yeah, exactly. No, so I, I I would not try to make one. It tastes simple, not simple to make. Um, but yeah, I love a good old fashioned. All right, what is your number one? Another whiskey for our uh, my number one, but it's Jameson and Ginger Ale. Ooh, I like it. Um, I didn't say Jameson specifically, but that did make my honorable mention. I just, I know that I could probably use Tullamore Dew or I could probably use Bushmills or some other kind of whiskey and get the same effect. But there's some, for some reason, I just love getting a bottle of Jameson and a bottle of ginger ale. And if it's, if it's in the summer and I'm outside, I'll put a nice uh, lime and lemon wedge. Whoa, doubling it up. Yep, get it in there because it's so refreshing, and it's another one that I could you could drink at any time of the year. Um, it's versatile, it's delicious, it's consistent, it's easy to make, and it's my number one. Excellent pick. 
Um, for my honorable mentions, I just have like a trio of whiskey drinks. It was just two, uh, but I'm adding a third. Uh, I like whiskey sours. I like whiskey and ginger ale, as you just mentioned. That's a great combo. Uh, maybe I should specifically try it with Jameson. I, maybe it would make my top five if I did that. And then uh, I'm liking this new whiskey and peach Snapple tea. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I'm going to have to try that. It's not bad. I wouldn't make it too strong, though, because the, the peach tea doesn't cut it so well. That's my only thought there. But, yeah, what are your honorable mentions? So I got a bourbon and Coke, you know, the classic Jack and Coke or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, vodka lemonade, which I didn't rank because I already had a screwdriver in there. Oh, and that's a good pick, though. They're so close, but I love a vodka lemonade. Yeah. And and maybe an unpopular one because of our, both of our distaste for rum. But even with my distaste for rum, I like a good dark and stormy. What is in a dark and stormy? I'm not even sure I have it, one. It's dark rum and ginger beer. Oh, okay. It's really quite good. I had one when I was down in Atlanta for work um, at dinner one night. And it's... They used, like, a Caribbean, like, a pretty decent rum, like, not a cheap one. Mm-hmm. Not, like, a spiced one like Captain, but, like, a good, solid, dark rum and a good ginger beer. And it's pretty pretty tasty. Yeah. Well, I, I think the secret's out. Like, kind of anything mixes with a good ginger beer or ginger ale. Like It sure sounds like it. You're probably not going wrong, no matter what it is. Like, a stormy tequila. Maybe that would be a shot of tequila and ginger beer. I bet that's also probably pretty good. We should try that the next time that we're in uh, the same city. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, All right. If you have a cocktail or mixed drink that we didn't talk about, I know there's some uber complicated cocktails out there that we didn't even touch upon, but what are you going to do? What you can do, actually, is hit us up on Twitter. That's at Whiskey Sessions. It's our handle there. Or... Email us at whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com and we will read that email and respond to it on a future episode of this podcast. So do that. Uh, and we are going to get to your emails now. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right, B Pimp, what do we have in the old email inbox? Was Post Malone left off of your best albums of 2018 list because it's called Beer Bongs and Bentleys? <laughs> I thought a podcast with whiskey in the name would be more open-minded. Sincerely, Paul in Houston. Uh, huh. Is it Paul Wall? Or is Post Malone's I, name Paul? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that, but I hope it's Paul Wall. <laughs> is every rap, a white rapper in, from Texas named Paul? That would be amazing. That's- that's the secret. You just cracked it. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, like, I won't lie. The first time I heard White Iverson, I thought it was a pretty good song. But Oh, now, I like that song. Now that I hear him more, I, like, um, the, my brain has made a huge turn on Post Malone for the worse. Yeah. And it, I haven't heard the whole album, but I just, like, the two or three singles I have heard, I do not like. I heard a good um, a, a good explanation of the album from someone. I think it was on Twitter. They said 
Um, it sounds like he lost interest in making rap, but was pressured to make a rap album anyway, and that's what resulted. <laughs> that is such a good take on that. Because I feel like the song Better Now seems like, is so boring. Yeah, it's just, I mean, that could be, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he switches to some other genre and like, oh, that's what, that's what happened. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, he might be chasing the wrong thing. But, um... The name of the album, which I didn't even know the name of the album, had nothing to do with why he didn't make my list. I can't speak for you, though. No, it was just, uh, it, it wasn't up to snuff, man. You know, sorry, Paul. That's how it goes. Next time. When is the next Chameleon Air album coming out? Oh, Riding Dirty. Speaking of Houston, I, I liked his mixtapes, too. If he's got something out, maybe that should have made my list. Oh, well. All right. Uh, we have another email. It says... I'm sure, like any sane person, we can all agree that if you put a protein, lettuce, salsa, rice, and refried beans in a U-shaped hard-shell tortilla, that is a taco, correct? So that's the first part of the email. I think we can both agree that's correct, right, Beepin? That sounds like a taco to me. All right, but the email continues. Now, what if we take four of these tacos, scoop out all the filling into a large flour tortilla, roughly 10 inches in diameter while discarding the hard shells? If we fold this tortilla in half, is it not just a large taco? But if we tuck in the sides and roll it up, suddenly I'm supposed to believe that this is a burrito? I propose to you, burritos do not exist, only tacos do. And this is from a guy who knows what he's taco in about. Hmm. Is a burrito oh just a closed taco? Yeah. Um... This is okay. I have a feel. I have an opinion on this. I think, I think he's wrong. I mean, it's a burrito because it's a different quantity of food mm-hmm. in a different presentation. It's just because it is largely the same ingredients. There's a lot of things that are more common in burritos that aren't done in tacos, like the way it's layered in. You put sour cream, like more sour cream, in there. I feel like than you would on a taco. There's a lot of things that are different. You could throw some guac in it. You could put multiple kinds of rice in there. Like, there's all oh, yeah. these things that are different about a burrito. So this kind of brings up, you know, a lot of people will say, like, is this a taco? Is this a burrito? Clearly, this is something that a guy who knows what he's taco in about is thinking about. Uh, it's in the zeitgeist. It's in the zeitgeist. But like, I've heard this extended to other food, uh, other foods, uh, including sandwiches, uh, about like. What kind of is a sandwich? What isn't? And have you heard of something called the cube rule? Is it ice cube related? No. And I want to make sure I'm like using... I think it's called the cube rule. But basically, it would fit this bill in that if you think about every item of food as a cube and basically where the starch or carbs, I guess is the, the better term, where the carbs are on the cube kind of determines what kind of food it is. So, like, when we think of a taco, you have, like, it would be the bottom of the cube and two of the sides. Like, that's a taco. You know what a taco shape is. It's not actually shaped like a cube, but in principle. And then a burrito is you have carbs around the entire thing. And that's what defines it as a burrito. So somebody actually put together this whole rule called the cube rule to identify what kind of food is but everybody had like a field day on what 
like kind of foods can be classified. And the main problem was people were arguing whether a hot dog is a sandwich. The cube rule says that a hot dog is not a sandwich, but a hot dog is instead a taco. Because of, I think I, I agree with that. Do you? Yeah, a hot dog is a taco, is it not? It's a taco. The meat is just in a in a in a different holding case, <laughs> meaning but it tastes sometimes like a plastic tube around it. So. Yeah, I mean we're it's, talking about like some weird process thing instead of like carne asada, but the principle is the same. Yeah, you put toppings on it. It's open at the top. It comes in a triangular or it's cradled in its shell. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a taco. Yeah, I think we can agree. Uh, so I'm sorry to this person who thinks they know what they're tacoing about, but a burrito is not a taco. A hot dog is a taco. A hot dog is a taco. A yeah. burrito is a burrito, and a chili cheese fries is a uh, burrito without its shell. Yes. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. If you don't agree with us, sorry to tell you you're wrong, but you can go ahead and write us anyway. That's whiskey sessions music at gmail.com. That is our email address. You can send your stuff there. We'll read it, respond to it on a future episode. But that is all that we have for this episode. Be pimp. Do you have anything you want to leave the lovely listeners at home with before we sign off? We know what we're tacoing about. We know what we're tacoing about. Or we know what we're hot dogging about? No, we said a hot dog is a taco. We got all the the hot dog news. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't know any of the hot dog news. There was a big argument last week about, like, which kind of buns are better with poppy seeds or without poppy seeds. That's that's the hot dog news for the week. Oh, man. I could go either way, I gotta be honest. Probably mainly gonna go not poppy seed, but I don't have a problem with poppy seed. They just get everywhere. Okay, that's true. Like, if you're... The worst is when you have, like, a peanut shell crusted hot dog bun. Gets everywhere. Yeah, those things you can't... I mean, when I have one in the morning after I have my two cocktail breakfasts, yeah. I have my hot dog taco to wash it down. I get, I'm, I have poppy seeds and peanut shells all over my car. Everywhere. That's a mess. All right. This is Amets signing off. See you later. Peace out.